Amen. This summer, we are in the book of Genesis, and we are going to be learning some incredible principles found there. And it's always amazing to me that you can look at a book that is thousands of years old, yet you can find principles for today. And what we're going to be looking at today is something that, frankly, I often have a struggle with. There's some um, things that I need to work on when it comes to what we're going to be looking at today. I remember many years ago when I was in college, I used to have a, a real problem with this because, you know, when you're in college and when you're young, you pretty much think that you can do anything and you're pretty naive about life. And so I was in this area in a major way. I'll never forget there was this one year in particular and I was so excited about Christmas break coming. You know, when you are away at school, you can't wait to get home for Christmas break. And I went to school in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But my home was in Texas. And that was 17 hours away. And so I would get homesick, and I, I just couldn't wait till Christmas break where I could just put the books down and go home and get some home cooking and, and be with my friends. So this one year in particular, I had a plan. And I thought it was a good plan, but in reality, it was a pretty bad plan. Here was the plan. That after my last final exam on Friday, I was going to load up the car and drive all night to the motherland to be with my parents. Now, when you just think about it like that, it sounds doable, but it's finals week. And finals week, that whole week, I'm going to school all morning. And I'm working all afternoon at my job until the early evening. And then I'm studying all night till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So all week, I'm not really getting much rest. And, and by the time Friday rolls around, I'm pretty tired, but I have some adrenaline and some excitement about getting home. So even though I'm a little bit tired, I, I get done with my final exam on Friday. It's about 2.30 in the afternoon. I go to my dorm and get my suitcase. I stop by and, and get a big greasy cheeseburger for the road, and, and I head south. And I did pretty good for a few hours. I did pretty good for five or six hours, and then it started to get 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, midnight, and I start to get the sleepies. Have you ever been there when you're driving and you just can't stay awake? And so I had the, the radio up full blast didn't work. I rolled down the windows in the middle of winter to try to freeze myself into staying awake. Didn't work. I was drinking soda, eating candy. This is a long time ago, so this is before cell phones. I had nobody to talk to. I was so tired. Start slapping myself, trying to stay awake, hold your eyes open. Nothing, nothing was working. So about two in the morning, as I'm driving down the road, when I started to see little cartoon characters hop across the highway in front of me, I said, this is time. I have got to pull over. I think my eyes were open, but my brain was asleep and dreaming. It was bad. So I pulled over in the middle of nowhere, Louisiana. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's so dark. I pulled over and tried to sleep, and, and all I could think about was that movie Deliverance just going on in my head over and over and there was no sleeping to be had. So I just really just struggled all the way home. I finally made it to my house. 
It's 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. I walked in the door and said hi to my parents, and I went to bed for 22 solid hours. It was a bad plan. All I needed to do was to get done with my final exam, get a good night's rest, get up early the next morning, drive all day, no problem, and have a, a nice evening with my family. But I didn't think I needed any rest. You know, sometimes we do the same thing in our lives. We just go, go, go so much, and we don't think that we need to take a break. We don't think that we need to rest. But God's built it into us. None of us are invincible. None of us have boundless energy. Even the most driven person needs rest. And, and I'm not just talking about getting a good night's sleep. We all understand that. We all have a certain amount of sleep that, that we need to get every night. But we need to build into our schedule a time of real rest where we stop working, take time to reflect on the Lord. Because you know how it is when we get tired. When we get tired, we change, don't we? We are not our normal self when, when we're tired or, or starting to uh, approach being burnt out. When we're tired, we get grumpy, don't we? Even the kindest person can tend to be impatient when they're tired. We start to get sloppy with the normal things of life. We start to forget the details. We start to get out of focus. And if you do this for too long, you could even get numb to the world around you. Just get up, work all day, chores all night, go to sleep for a few hours, do it again the next day, and just do it over and over and over and over again. I've been there before. And you change when you just constantly work and are busy. I'm sure that most of us in this room, either ourselves or we know somebody else who's gotten burnt out because they never took a break. It's not a good place to be. But the good news is, is that it's avoidable. And we don't have to feel guilty about resting. Sometimes that keeps people from taking a break because, well, there's so much to do. I, I've got to get this done before I can take a break. And they're going to think that I'm lazy if I'm taking a day off and here and there. And you know what? We can take a break. It's not because we're lazy. It's because we need it to get refocused, to get refreshed, to get our batteries recharged. If we want to be who God's called us to be, and do what God's called us to do, we need energy, and it comes from rest. And so what we're going to be looking at today, starting in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, we are going to journey through the scriptures and look at the Sabbath. What really is the Sabbath day? Why did God institute it, and should we be celebrating the Sabbath today? Well, let's start at the beginning. Let's look at the first Sabbath, the very first one, Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, 
because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. As we've been studying through the book of Genesis this summer, we understand full well that God took six days to create the universe. Well, here it says that on the seventh day, he rested. Does God need to rest? What exactly does this mean? Well, once we get into the original language that this was written in, it it becomes very clear what this means. You see, God does not have to rest like you and I. God is God. So what exactly is he talking about here? Well, in verse 1, it says that God completed his work. He completed his creative work in six days. It didn't mean that he finished being God or he completed his task, if you will, at being God. It simply means after six days, God was done with creation. He made it all. The entire universe and all of life, God created it out of nothing. It was done. It was complete. So verse 2, the Bible says that God rested. When you look at that word, what it really means in Hebrew is to cease, to stop. When we look at the word rest, we think it's uh, sleeping, relaxing, chilling out, whatever it is. We think it's in response to being tired. And that's how we use that word rest. I have to rest because I am tired. But really, that word intrinsically means to stop. So what did God stop? He stopped creating. He didn't stop being God. God is God, and if God could stop being God, then God would not be God. God is constant. He is unchanging, and he is all-powerful. Therefore, he does not get tired no matter how big the task is that he's doing. Creating the universe didn't take effort from God other than just him speaking it into existence. He wasn't resting in the sense of he was fatigued. He simply stopped creating because it was complete. But then it says in verse 3 that he sanctified the seventh day. In other words, he set that day apart. He appointed that day to be a day of rest. It's as if he's saying this is going to be the pattern for life going forward, that this day is going to be a day of rest. Now, I firmly believe that God had all of this planned out ahead of time. Remember, God is eternal. He is not limited by time. God actually created time for us. God existed in eternity past. He did not have time. God did not have a calendar before he created the universe. He gave that to us because we need that that space of measuring things for life. So I believe that in eternity past, God decided as I create this universe, I will spend six days creating. I will stop and institute the Sabbath day as a pattern for my creation because they need to rest. They don't just need to stop because it's complete. They need rest. We are not God. We are human. We need energy, and often it comes, it comes from resting. 
So as God created the universe in six days, when he was done, it's time to rest. It's time to stop. But that's not the only thing that God did on the Sabbath. He didn't just just stop. I believe that God also took time to reflect on what he had done. Look at chapter 1 and verse 31 of the book of Genesis. The Bible says that God saw all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Remember, God inspired Moses to write the book of Genesis. This is, this is God's word to us. And God says as he looked out at creation, he said, it is good. He was reflecting on what he had done. And so again, this is a pattern for man. The first Sabbath purpose was rest and reflection. He wanted us to follow his lead as we did this. So I believe that Adam and Eve in the garden, I believe that they celebrated the Sabbath. After all, they walked and talked with the Lord in the garden. And as God instituted the Sabbath day, and it says he sanctified it or he set it apart, well, there's the, the beginnings of humanity right there with Adam and Eve and their descendants. Now, how long did they obey the Sabbath? How long did they work for six days and take off the seventh day? We really don't know, but I believe they did. Remember, one of the reasons that God created us was to work. We've learned that through Genesis. And we see that in the lives of Adam and Eve. Remember, God created the universe, created man and woman, and he said, name the animals. Take care of the garden. Multiply and fill the earth. Manage and steward creation. It took work. It was probably not as hard as it is today. We know that because of the effects of sin. But they were to work. And so they would do whatever it was that they did to take care of the garden and the animals. And then on the seventh day, they would rest and spend time with the Lord. Because the Bible says that God walked and talked with them in the garden. Isn't that a wonderful thing? So the first Sabbath was pretty amazing. But you and I know that chapter 3 happened. You and I know the story of how Adam and Eve decided to turn away from God and to eat the forbidden fruit. And when they did that, sin came into mankind. And it's been passed down to all of us. And through the ages, just like everything else got off track in the, in the early history of our world, the Sabbath got off track as well. So we don't hear much about the Sabbath until centuries later when Moses is leading God's people out of captivity from Egypt. So we're going to look at the Judaic Sabbath because this is the next place that we see it come up. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. Now, just in case you don't know the story, let me rehearse it a little bit for you. God's people, God's chosen people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt. But God raises up Moses to deliver them miraculously from their slavery. So they are now journeying through the wilderness to the promised land. And the promised land was going to be their, their ultimate earthly place of rest. Now, as they are traveling in the wilderness, food and water is an issue. 
Remember, there's over a million people. And it's not as if you can take enough food to travel for decades through the wilderness with you. You have to gather. You have to provide as you are traveling. So that was a problem. But God came to them and said, I'm going to provide. And so you know the story. When they would come out of their tents in the morning, God had miraculously caused manna, which was a bread-like substance, to come up out of the ground. So every morning, the people could go out and gather enough manna for their family so they would have enough to eat through the day. Later in the afternoon, an abundance of quails would descend in their area. So they had food for dinner at night. God said, I will provide this every day, and I'll provide enough for you so that on the Sabbath, you won't have to work. There's plenty of food uh, given to you for six days that you will need for seven. But on the sixth day of the week, things were just a little bit different. This is where we pick up the story in Exodus 16 and verse 22. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is the Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, and Moses had ordered. And it didn't become foul, nor was there any worm found in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So what God is doing here is is he's teaching them that he's going to provide. The first five days of the week, they would gather enough food for the day. On the sixth day of the week, they had to gather twice as much food that was available, so they would have plenty of food to provide for them on the seventh day, where God wanted them to rest. Not only did he want them to rest, they needed to rest. They are traveling through the wilderness, picking up camp and setting it up, and, and, and just it was hard back then. And so they needed time to just unplug and rest for their journey. So not only is he showing them that he loves them and is going to provide for them, God is also testing their faith. This is a very important principle to understand. God is testing them. Are you going to obey me? Are you going to trust me? Back up to chapter 16 and verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. They needed to understand that six days of working was enough to provide for seven days of living. Some of them didn't quite understand it, and they wanted to keep working, but God was trying to show them, this is enough. Trust me, and I'll provide for you. And I tell you, this is such, a, such an important principle for us to understand today. 
Because we often come into circumstances where we feel like I've got to work, 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 work every single day just to make ends meet, just to have enough for my kids going to college, just to have enough to cover the medical expenses, expenses, whatever it is. For some people, it's kind of built into their DNA. They're just a very driven, workaholic type of person. But even the most driven person needs to take a break before they burn out. It's inevitable. And you and I, as we go through financial situations where somebody loses a job or there's an unexpected expense, it's tough to slow down, isn't it? If your spouse loses your job, you're thinking, that's half of our income. What are we going to do? I have to work more and more and more and more. Now, I understand that this can happen at times, and it could be a temporary fix for what's going on. I think we've all been there. I remember there was a couple of times uh, many years ago when I worked for a secular organization where I had to work every day for two months, and it was rough. But it wasn't the norm. It wasn't the normal rhythm of life. Our normal rhythm should be, I'm going to work five or six days a week, and then I'm going to take a day off. Not because I'm lazy, not because I want somebody else to provide, but because if I'm going to be who I need to be, I need rest. I need to get refocused. I need to get recharged. It's a hard concept when you go through a difficult time. But we see here right in the scripture that God was trying to teach the nation of Israel and he wrote it down so that we could learn this lesson as well. That in six days of working, God was providing for seven days of living. Now, as I said just a minute ago, some of the Jews didn't understand it. Some of them thought, well, they'll just work seven days and not worry about it. Go back to chapter 16, verse 27. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you a Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Some people had to learn the hard way. They didn't want to believe that in six days God would provide enough to live for seven days. And so when they disobeyed and went out on the Sabbath to find food, well, they went hungry that day. Again, what is God trying to tell us? Sometimes we just work incessantly, and we never feel like we're catching up. And maybe we're not really trusting God and just saying, God, I just can't do this. It's not working what I'm doing. I need you to provide in a miraculous way so I can rest and be who I need to be and do what I need to do. So the Jews here in the story, they did pretty good for a little while. They followed the Sabbath. But of course, as we know the history of Israel, their faith just went up and down, up and down, up and down. And so it came to a place where God had to lay down the law about the Sabbath because they simply weren't following it. So turn over to chapter 20, where we see right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, God reiterates the fact that they need time for resting and reflecting. Exodus 20, starting in verse 8. Right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, God says, 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy or set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. In other words, you cannot farm out your work to other people and still consider it a Sabbath. Why? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If it was important enough for God to take a Sabbath and important enough for God to set that day apart, it's important enough for us to have a time of rest as well. So the Judaic Sabbath, the purpose was rest and reflection. But as I mentioned, we all know the story of Israel. Again, their faith would go up and it would go down. And when they looked at the law of God, when he said to, to have that, that time of rest, they decided that they would become sophisticated and, and add all kinds of rules and regulations to how we're supposed to observe the Sabbath. Over the centuries, the, the Jews added hundreds of rituals and regulations to the Sabbath day to the point that it was work to try to uphold the Sabbath correctly. It was so ironic. It was a day that God said to rest and reflect, but you had this long list of, of regulations, and if you crossed over one of them, you were in sin. It was work to uphold the Sabbath back then. So when Jesus came on the scene, along with, with reteaching just about everything to people that had got things so convoluted, he taught people about the Sabbath. And he taught people and reiterated it should be a day of resting and reflecting. So we're going to see an episode here where, where Jesus confronted the religious ruling class of the day, the Pharisees, that had gotten the Sabbath so off track. Number three, we're going to look at today's Sabbath. Because the way Jesus taught us to serve and to, to rest on the Sabbath is the way that, that we should use the Sabbath as well. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 and following. It happened as he, Jesus, was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need? He and his companions became hungry, and they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So Jesus uses this story to teach the religious ruling class of the day. You see, they were going through the fields, and, and Jesus and his, and his disciples were picking heads of grain and, and separating the, the, the kernel from the chaff so they could eat it. It's similar to just breaking open a, a peanut 
to get what's inside of the shell. And the Pharisees said, you can't do that. You can't eat peanuts on the Sabbath unless they're pre-shelled. What's wrong with you? And Jesus said, wait a minute. Remember David and his men were hungry. And the only food they could find was the consecrated bread in the temple. They're not supposed to eat it, but they were hungry and there was food. And it was okay. You see, you have to go by the spirit of the law instead of the legalistic observance of the law, which is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. Jesus was trying to teach them that the Sabbath was made for man because we need it, not the other way around. You see, the Jews had gotten to the point to where they looked at the Sabbath as some sort of religious holiday that God instituted and then created man to follow this institution. But man was created first. And then God instituted the Sabbath. Not because he wanted another high holy day with a list of, of rituals to perform, but he knew that we needed to take a break. But the Pharisees just didn't get it. They got onto Jesus for threshing grain. They said, when you're separating those kernels from the chaff, well, that's working on the Sabbath. That's a form of work. They said, you can't do that. They had lots of different rituals that they had. One of them was, one of them was you weren't allowed to travel more than 3,000 feet away from your house on the Sabbath. As long as you were within 3,000 feet, the Pharisees said, you're okay. You can travel around 1,000 feet, 2,000 feet. But once you take that 3,000 and first step, well, then you're in sin on the Sabbath. It's silly, right? They also believed that the only time you could heal somebody on the Sabbath is if they're, they're, they were in a life-threatening situation. If you were, say, disabled, well, you couldn't heal them on the Sabbath. If you were just Blind? Well, you're not allowed to heal somebody on the Sabbath if they're blind. You need to wait till Monday or Tuesday or a regular day of the week. Just let them be blind. They were blind yesterday, they'll be blind tomorrow. That's the way the Pharisees felt. And so when Jesus would do miracles on the Sabbath, and I think Jesus did it on purpose, he was trying to teach them that, wait a minute, we're not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for us to rest. They were very ritualistic about it. You know, unfortunately, there are too many people today that look at the Sabbath in the same way. There's lots of people in our world that, that approach Friday night at sundown till Saturday night at sundown in a very religious, ritualistic, legalistic way. And you're simply missing the point. The point of the Sabbath is to rest and to reflect on the Lord to get recharged for the coming week, to get refocused on whatever God wanted you focused on, not just to, to, to say, well, I did all these, you know, list of do's and don'ts on Saturday. That's not what the Sabbath was for. It's so that we can simply rest. So when Jesus walked the earth, he wanted people to get back to the principles of resting and reflecting, and that's what today's Sabbath is all about. And I firmly believe that you and I should have a, a day of rest. Now, what day that is, it's really up to the individual person. We don't have to go by the letter of any law that any religious group has come up with. God has said, I need you to rest. 
and you need to rest. Especially in this, in this modern era where our work schedules are, are so varied, aren't they? Some people do have a nine-to-five job. Some people work all night. Some people work on the weekends and are off in the middle of the week. And so the point is, just find some time and build it into the schedule that says, on, on this day, I am not going to work. And don't feel guilty about it. Have faith that the Lord is going to provide and, and understand that this is what God wants us to do. After all, God observed the first Sabbath, and he sanctified it. He set it apart and said, do this. And Jesus reiterated that when he said, the Sabbath is for man. In other words, keep observing a time of rest and reflection every week so we can be who God's called us to be and so we can do what God's called us to do. So we should take a Sabbath every week, a time of rest. But you know what's really interesting is our time of resting in this life. When we build into our schedule, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or a Thursday, we build that time of resting and reflecting on the Lord. It really is just a shadow of what's coming. Because our time of Sabbath rest in this world is not the last time that we are going to Sabbath. There is a time coming where we will reach our ultimate Sabbath. Remember, as we looked at the story of Israel traveling through the wilderness to the promised land. The promised land was their ultimate earthly place of rest from the slavery that they had experienced. It wasn't just a nice piece of land where they could build a business. It was their promised land that God had said, you will get to go there and you will get to rest from the oppressive nations of Egypt and all the ones around you. And as we see here in the scriptures in Hebrews 4 is one of the last places we're going to go. Paul said that's just a, a, a metaphor of what's coming for God's children. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, not all of the Jews that traveled made it to the promised land. But only the ones that displayed faith through their obedience to the Lord. Go over to Hebrews chapter 4. As we see this thought explained here. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, heaven, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, the gospel of Jesus, just as they also, the Jews, because the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Remember, not all the Jews made it to the promised land because they simply refused to believe God. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they, the Jews that did not believe, shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. 
He again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, the promised land, he would not have spoken of another day after that, eternity, the ultimate promised land. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So Paul is, is, is comparing and contrasting how the Jews on the way to the promised land, the ones whose disobedience displayed their lack of faith, didn't make it to the promised land. And he gives it as a warning to everybody who reads this to say, listen, there is an eternal promised land, an eternal day of rest coming. And if you hear God's voice calling you to salvation, don't harden your hearts. Respond by faith or else you will miss what God has for you. And our eternity, our promised land, it's really our ultimate Sabbath, our ultimate rest from our life here in this world. Even though we have a temporary times of rest when we take our, our Sabbath day every week off, it's just temporary. It's just a, a minimal amount of rest that we need to make it through the week. But one day all, all of this life will be over and we will be with God in heaven experiencing our ultimate, ultimate rest. And it will be a time of rest and reflecting on the Lord. Now, let's understand something. When we enter through the pearly gates of heaven, there's not going to be an angel handing us a lawn chair to just sit down and float around on a cloud forever in heaven. It might be in the cartoons, but that's not what our eternal existence is going to be about. There will be things to do. And if you know much about the New Testament where it teaches about our our eternal life, we're going to have responsibilities. We will be ruling and reigning with Christ for eternity. Life will be happening. But I guarantee you that God is not going to let us into his heaven and say, guess what? You get to work every day from now to eternity. Here's your job. Get ready. I believe there's going to be times of resting and reflecting even in heaven. And it's going to come full circle and be just like it was in the Garden of Eden before sin entered humanity. Where in the Garden of Eden, there's God, and he rested from his works, and he's got Adam and Eve there before they sinned, and they would work and take care of their garden and then rest and reflect on the Lord every week. I think life is going to come full circle for those of us that have faith in Christ and go to our ultimate place of rest in heaven. So what is it going to be like? We don't really know except for it will be resting and reflecting. Go over to Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. In other words, don't allow people to judge you if you don't have a Sabbath exactly like they have a Sabbath. The point is to set aside some time to rest and reflect. You are free to do that as as the Lord guides you. You don't have to be ritualistic in it, but have that time of rest. Why? 
that Sabbath day, verse 17, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You see, when we take that time of Sabbath in this world and we rest from our work and we reflect on who God is and what he's done and what he's going to do in the future in heaven, that, that Sabbath time is just a, it's just a glimpse of eternity. And it's so encouraging to me to know that, that God allows for us to just take a break and think about what God has done and, and what God is going to do. You know, when the, when the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness, when they would take a Sabbath, I am sure that their conversations and their thoughts and their songs and their prayers were all about how God had delivered them from slavery, from bondage. They could look back and see, my goodness, look at what God has done for us. They could remind each other, look at how God provides for us every day through the manna and the quail. And one day we'll get to the promised land. You know, we have that same opportunity. When you take a time of rest, make sure it's intentional. And you spend some time of just reflecting on what the Lord has done in your life. How he has delivered you from the bondage of sin. And what he does to provide for you every day in the promised land, your ultimate rest that is to come. When we do that, when we intentionally rest and reflect, it gets us refocused. It gets us recharged. It gets us ready for the week. Now, I know for some people, this might be hard to do because you're the kind of person that just likes to stay busy. And that goes for, for any age group. You could be somebody who's still working or somebody who's retired. You just like to stay busy. But God wants us to take time to rest. Now, some of us, uh, I go a little bit overboard in this area. I'm one of those uh, list people. Do I have any fellow list brothers and sisters in the congregation? I love a list. This is what I have to get done during the day. But I get a little bit, little bit crazy about it. I will literally write on my list, rest, stop. And my day's not done until I do that. Maybe you can pray for me about that. That is maybe a little bit psychotic. Maybe I'm a little bit OCD. But I have to do that to make sure that I rest. So whatever it takes for you to make sure that you schedule into the rhythm of your week a time of resting and reflecting, you'll be glad you did. The grass will get cut. God will provide. The dishes will get done. Whatever it is that needs to get done, it'll get done. Just take that time. Learn to Sabbath if that's a struggle for you. God did it, and he calls us to do it as well. So it must be good. God bless you. Pastor Dave is going to come on up, and he's going to close our time together in prayer. And if I've never met you before and you're visiting, we would just love to meet you out in the guest reception after the service. God bless you.